and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And uh, welcome back. We took a short week break, just a, a little buffer between season two and three. But we're back now and we're ready to, to get the ball rolling again. Yep, we're, we're all back in the saddle at this point, and uh, we're back with the start of Season 3, te- technically, uh, which is uh, The Price of Power. If you remember last week, or, well, two weeks ago at this point, uh, we had a, a fun cliffhanger, Shadow Weaver just sort of looming menacingly over Adora, like as if she was going to, to do some sort of sinister act. Uh, no, t- nope, that's not what happens. Yeah, she basically just falls over immediately, like, on her face. Because, turns out, uh, teleporting away like that made her very sick. It made her very weak. She is, uh, she's dying, apparently. Yeah, she's, she's having a bad time of it. She's, like, she's coughing, she's hacking, she's, like, on a kind of a crumpled heap on the ground and leaking all sorts of shadowy ooze everywhere, which is probably hellish to clean up off the ground. Well, it seems mostly intangible. It kind of goes away on its own, luckily. But yeah. Yeah, but it probably leaves really bad vibes in the room. Oh, well, that's just Shadow Weaver. That's true. That's just what she does. So, yeah, basically, the setup for this episode is that Shadow Weaver gets uh, locked away in the uh, quote-unquote holding cell at Bright Moon. And Angela, you know, when, when Adora comes up to, to ask to talk to her, she says, absolutely not. You are, are under no circumstances to talk to her. She is going to get into your mind. She's going to, like, just make you feel awful. I'm not going to let you talk to her. Let Castispella and I handle it. Yeah, so a- Angela makes an extremely good set of parenting decisions, being the singular parent in the room. Uh, unfortunately, no one listens to her. I mean, technically, Glimmer and Bo listen to her. Um, they're they're mostly trying to keep Adora out for a lot of it. Um, Adora, of course, has no interest in listening to Angela. She just needs to get in that room and she needs to talk to Shadow Weaver. So a lot of the first act of the episode is is spent with sort of wacky attempts to sneak into this holding cell, uh, which is really just the spare room that she removed all the cushions from. Um, Yet again... Well, most of the cushions. Not all. Most. She walks that one back. That is true. It's uh, yet again sort of displaying the Rebellion's kind of unwillingness to, to take any prisoners. Like, when, when Bo and Glimmer captured Catra back at the beginning of Season 2, they were they seemed very uncomfortable with the whole ordeal. And it seems like Bright Moon doesn't even have, like, a brig. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, actually. Like, they just... Bright Moon is just not... There's no, like, carceral element to it. Like, there's, you know, an authority, there's laws, there's even, like, I guess technically you could call it, like, an enforcement force, like the Bright Moon Guard or whatever, but there's not really, like, a, like, justice system. There's not really, like, there's not prisons or anything like that. You know, presumably if there is an issue... It's just basically brought immediately before the queen, which, I mean, that's kind of how they were handling um, Adora when they, they captured her back in episode one. They were just kind of like, uh, just take her to the throne room immediately. This is uh, also directly contrasted with the Horde's gigantic prisons, uh, prison chamber. They're just like floors upon floors of holding cells. Like, who knows how many of those are even filled with anybody? Probably not many. I mean, it's literally, like, literally, literally just straight up the model panopticon that, they, that they've built. Which is like, I mean, it works. So yeah, the Shadow Weaver is kind of locked in this room, put in a magical circle. And she gets woken, she wakes up um, from being unconscious. And just immediately starts harassing Angela and Castispella and just, like, trying to get under their skin. She's here to get their help and to talk to Adora, but she literally can't turn off the, like, she just can't turn it off. Yeah, no, she's got horrible little disease, and she just, like, she, she comes to 
bright moon dying like on her dying breath she's collapsing into a pile of ooze and just barely conscious you know it's it's very clearly taking a lot of effort for her to be conscious and like even speak and the words she chooses to say with her limited speech and consciousness is mostly like taunting angela for having a dead husband and like (laughs) and like just being just the most horrible little gremlin in the world just making them hate her so much and like her plan really is just if i if i frustrate and annoy these two enough eventually they will break and give me what i want which is to talk to adora who i know i can manipulate and the thing is that plan probably would work however luckily for shadow weaver she doesn't have to do it very long uh, because Adora is uh, dead set on getting in that room. Adora is convinced that if she can just talk to Shadow Weaver, there can be some sort of understanding reached. There's some kind of good, deep, deep down inside her, as she says. Um, I'm not sure I'm convinced of that, but she certainly is. No. Yeah, she's like, she's like, listen, all right, I know you're concerned for me. I know this is like this is you know scary and everything. Listen, I'm a stronger person now. I'm like I'm 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 more mature. I'm I you know I've got myself collected. I'm good, and she can't manipulate me anymore. Anyway, let me talk about real quick how I know for a fact she could have good inside of her. And it's like oh oh honey no 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 but they do get in there um with the help of Bo's, frankly probably incredible card tricks because he uh decides to distract angela and casta who are both practicing magicians or one of them is an angel one of them is like the head warlock of of mysticore so like they both know their stuff but i guess his sleight of hand is just so genuinely impressive that they're taken with it listen all right you got you got your fancy magic and your glittery sparkle sparkle attacks and whatever all oh, that's all fine and dandy but have you ever seen some cardistry because those people that's that's the real magic right there go 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 look up some of those guys yeah google that also google fushigi i think it would have lasted even longer if he'd brought in a fushigi oh yeah yeah if he had fushi Bo would be a fushigi master or what, what about Entrapta, though? Entrapta has the hair. She could really extend those Fushigi combos. Ooh, that's true. I don't know. That'd be a battle for the ages. It would. I guess I'll have to see that in the in, in the Shira movie whenever it happens, if it happens. Ah, uh, I look forward to it. It's all about. It's actually all about a Fushigi tournament. There's no real conflict. Oh well, now see, see, that's where you're wrong. That's where the true conflict lies. Of course, of course. So, Glimmer and Adora make their way into the spare room slash holding cell, and a Glimmer immediately gets on Shadow Weaver's case. She's like, alright, listen, if, I, if you do anything sus, I will knock your lights out. I don't care if you're, like, coughing up blood every five minutes and barely alive. I will punch you. Yeah, no, she she's just like immediately off the bat. She's like, listen, I got a lot of pent up rage and frustration, and I am happy to take every ounce of it out on you at the drop of a hat. And Adora is just like, listen, it's okay. I got this. So Adora does pretty well at sort of uh, resisting playing Shadow Weaver's game at first, because Shadow Weaver starts off with what we saw in in the shadows of mysticore it's like oh sweet adora my child and she's like nah no that's we're past this um and shadow says oh i see how it is all right then fine we'll play this game um and it it's clear that adora that shadow weaver came here because she literally has nowhere else to go adora is the only conceivable person who could save her and, like, she just wants to see Hordak and Katra burn. Like, she is 99% spite by volume. No, yeah, like, she she spends a solid, you know, few minutes basically going through her entire list of, like, manipulation tricks before, you know, really, 
like hamming up how much she's dying to try and get Adora to like save her ass. and uh she and she does and she has to like kind of give Adora a pep talk basically to to be able to uh to use her healing powers and um and she manages to do that and and Shadow Weaver's like listen you want the truth I don't have anywhere to go everyone hates me all I really want is to watch the world burn at this point and you guys are the best ones to make that happen she gets very jokered is, is really what we're saying. She really does. And th- this is when Cast and Angela burst into the room. Um, and this is also when Shadow Weaver reveals to everyone, all right, here's the deal. This is going to sound completely insane. But Hordak is building a portal to summon the rest of the Horde from space. And everyone says that sounds fake as hell. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds fake as hell, um, but she's like, listen, you have no idea. Like, if you think that this is bad, this is like one one trillionth the size of the actual word. And Glimmer is just basically cutting her off at every pass and just being like, listen, you lie about everything. Why on earth should we believe anything you have to say? And then she's like, oh, you want proof? Here's the proof. And she holds a piece of paper that says proof on it, and she wrote it, um, which is basically, listen, the door is an alien. She doesn't have any proof of this. She's just like, yeah, Adora's an alien. Look look, look how weird she looks. She doesn't look like you. She says, all right, listen. I, Hordak activated a portal and then came back with that baby. That's not a baby from this planet. Adora's an alien. Who else could heal my, my magical wasting disease except her? Um, and Adora takes this very well. Yeah, she takes it great. She She's just like, oh, yes, this sounds great. And then she doesn't do anything rash, like, say, not respond to anyone else in the room, running out of it, um, and then getting on a horse and flying over to confront Light Hope about it. But to note about the running away bit, um, so this episode had, I'm imagining, about a $4 budget because the art in it is really bad (laughs) like it's really not good there's some there's some really really weird looking sequences there's some sequences that still look good like there's some expressions especially that are quite good but a lot of the general art is kind of weird the animation is a little bit choppy and it doesn't really matter because like it's just an episode about a bunch of people standing around and talking like there's no real big showpiece fight or anything like that but it's very noticeable especially with that run because boy it just looks so weird it looks very bad like you were saying it looked like a piece of animation from like the street fighter cartoon yeah like it's just one of those things you would see in like an 80s cartoon back before they had any standards or quality um, the, the problem with it is that she is, like, supposed to be sprinting towards the door, but the shot holds for too long, and it kind of just looks like she's not making any forward movement at all. So she's just, like, running, but she's just kind of slowly sliding across the floor. She's not, like, sprinting out the door immediately or anything. So it, it just ends up looking extremely strange. The shot from the Street Fighter cartoon I was reminded of, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it on the internet, it's where DJ is, like, running towards an elevator, and they're trying to do, like, perspective, except he shrinks, but the background doesn't, and the guys that come out of the elevator are really big in comparison to him. Like, it's just an extremely bizarre piece of animation that just plagued so much of that era's cartoons. Yeah, and and, and, and this shot is like that, right? Like, one of the problems with it, I think, is that um, the motion doesn't carry through. So, like, uh, the, the issue, right, is she's, she's running towards the door, but the problem is the door is at, like, um... It's kind of closer to the upper right of the screen to her, so she has to run in a diagonal motion, but also into perspective to get to the door because it's deeper into the scene, right? But they didn't convey that very well. One of the problems, right, is like you're moving your character too fast for like either moving your character too fast or too slow for the actual gait of their walking. Um, so what you'll have in this scene in particular is that Adora's model is not moving as fast as the movement of her legs would make it look like she should be moving. Um, and this is because, of course, they're trying to make her look like she's running deeper into the into the, into the the shot, right? She's, she's going away from the camera. But the perspective doesn't work, so she just kind of looks like she's sliding on some ice. Like, it's a very slick surface. It's, 
the shot's very bad also she just looks like she's leaning over a little bit um there's a few other moments like this there's an establishing shot of the fright zone that looks like the low poly distance model a little bit like it just wasn't really rendered very well um there's this one very particular shot, this dramatic close-up of Shadow Weaver, where she kind of looks like she's been fisheye lensed a little bit. Um, there's there's another really, really, really... <laughs> there's a shot of Glimmer where she's, uh, she's turned her head and she's talking in profile, but when she turns her head both to that profile and back, the eyes kind of pop in and out and they just aren't sized correctly it kind of looks like some zelda cbi stuff like there's there's a few pretty egregious shots in in this one but again like if you're gonna pick one episode in season three to you know kind of shaft the budget on the one where everyone just kind of stands around and talks i guess is the best one to do that yeah like it's fine the animation is kind of jank Catra looks kind of weird in some shots. Hordak looks very weird in some shots. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we get round Hordak, he's which is very cursed funny. round Hordak. It's like he's, like his chin becomes very rounded, very smooth. I hate to see it. That's very strange. But yeah, so Adora like runs over to Light Hope and says, "Hey, what you need to tell me is this true? Am I like a first one?" Um, and Light Hope pauses for a good while before she confirms Adora's suspicions. Yeah, she's she's um kind of taken aback by this just a little bit, it seems. And she uses the excuse like, well I didn't think I needed to tell you because you were there for it. And Adora has to tell her, babies don't remember things. Which and then uh Light Hope shows her Hordak picking her up in the portal and like Adora is really not she's having a moment here um this she is extremely extremely in it right now she's like well, what do i have a family like can i go back to them do i get don't i get to choose why am i here and then light just looks at her and says absolutely not you don't get to choose you're chosen i don't know what the problem is here yeah yeah put a put a pin in that put a, put a just a little pin in that uh we'll get back to that uh particular line in the spoiler zone um, and all of you who aren't joining us for that will get to experience this particular uh, situation in, in good time. For some reason, Adora doesn't respond well to being told that and runs off. Yeah. I don't know why. It seems like she, she should be more understanding of Light Hope. She doesn't get to choose. I don't see what the problem is. Don't see what the problem is. But Light Hope, when, when she runs off, uh, she's like, oh, it's happening again. So not totally sure what that means well i'm sure we'll find out though so adora comes back to the to bright moon and just like all right i don't know i don't know if i'm okay or not but i gotta find out more we're gonna go to the crimson waste we're gonna find that signal of mara's and we're gonna see what's up and that brings us to the second part of the episode uh which is catra's having a bad time yeah catra's having a bad 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 day so she wakes up in jail from after in being, shadow weaver's cell in that cell yeah in shadow weaver's cell where she was um i have to imagine that hordak was like specifically ordering that like yeah put her in that cell like really make her her feel the weight of of the punishment so good news she's not dead yet um she is slated to be executed but you know sending her to beast island which is basically an execution it seems hordak doesn't want to like get his hands dirty it seems uh also it's a kid's show but you know the third of beast island nobody comes back from that it's a death sentence yeah like this show is actually quite um it's quite uh choosy with where it chooses to like use the word death this is this episode actually i think might be the first time that it's that the word death is actually used to describe someone who is dying and it's really only used for shadow weaver who's dying from like an illness um so and i i think this is like largely probably a product of like broadcast stuff like i'm sure there's like rules about like how much you can talk about death in a kid's show yeah but the understanding is definitely if you go to beast island you don't come back you die there yeah so yeah, but Scorpia is here to bust Catra out, um, or try to. She she get, does a great heist to get in, which involves 
uh, pushing a man to his death, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. She just sort of like stands there, kind of, kind of whistling, just like, oh, I'm not suspicious at all, and just kind of punches him off the side of the off the side of the Panopticon. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure it's he's real, fine. Real, real. It's a real dishonored move. A real, a real like classic stealth game move. Just sort of shove a guy off a roof. Uh, worry about it later. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure no one will ever notice. It's fine. No one goes to the lower levels anyway. There's so many, and all the, everyone looks the same in the Horde armor. Who's going to notice one grunt missing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just pick up a new orphan from, like, the next town. Easy to replace. Yeah, it's like, uh, babies are a dime a dozen. They fall from the sky around here, okay? Literally. You can just reach into a hole and grab a baby. It's like, oh, found one. Yeah. Hordak, listen, he's, he is he is not short of soldiers, apparently. At least uh, he won't be, assuming he ever gets that portal built. But in the meantime, um, our good friend Scorpia is trying to bust Catra out of this prison. And she doesn't like... She's trying to dance very much around the fact that Catra is slated to be executed and that she is explicitly going to betray the Horde to, like, save Catra. Um, she's very much trying to avoid having to think about that, like, think to that level about it. But, like, her primary concern is making sure her best friend in the whole world, and also maybe her love interest, we'll see, um, does end up surviving this situation. Um, Catra has this moment, right, where she, she realizes that Scorpia does actually care very much about her. She even, she just straight up asks, like, you really do care about me, don't you? And you know, Scorpio answers very honestly, like, "Yeah, you know, I do. You're my, you're like, you're my best friend in the whole world." Katra doesn't take that well. No, she immediately shuts that down. She laughs in Scorpio's face, like, "Caring about people is what got me into this mess. Give up on me, like." just leave me here i'll just leave me to die basically and this is definitely catra putting up the walls as she often does like anytime anyone is out here you know especially now especially after what happened with the shadow weaver she is extremely wary about letting anyone in at all she is going to keep her distance from any like emotional intimacy at all yeah like this this was really like the moment where she kind of comes to the conclusion like ah yes attachment to other human people this is this is my ultimate downfall and it's like oh oh no you're going in the wrong direction you're going in the dramatically wrong direction oh no as always catra must choose wrong this is the rule we've established this is the arc her character follows when given the, the, the two diverging paths, she will always take the wrong choice. This is true, and this is why we love Catra, because she is always wrong up until the point that she isn't, uh, which is going to take a hot second. Don't worry, we'll get there, everyone. It's, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So Hordak is, you know, angrily stalking around his lab, as is his hobby, and Entrapta is like, all right, I found, like, we, we gotta get more more first ones tech, this portal thing, it's not really firing right. I think what we need is in the Crimson Wastes. And Hordak is like, well, I'm not, well, then too bad. We're not going out there. There's nothing out there. Um, there's a really good moment where he, like, slaps a map out of Entrapta's, like, hands and starts yelling at her. But instead of, like, you know, getting afraid or anything, she just, like, pouts at him. It's like, it's real huffy with him. Like, why'd you do that, jerk? Yeah, she's just, like entirely unfazed by Hordak's like little baby temper tantrum because it's what it is and she like acknowledges it for that because like for her she's not intimidated by Hordak he's not like there's nothing he can do to her that is going to make her intimidated really like frankly I think even if he pulled out the suffocation rectangle she would probably just be like oh this is really cool is this what space is like (laughs) yeah Oh, fascinating. I've always wanted to feel what it was like to be in space without a spacesuit. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, just nothing works. Uh, but he does, he thinks about it. And it's like, well, 
Like, I'm already sending her to one wasteland death trap. Why not send her to another one? Yeah, and maybe and maybe I'll get something out of it. And hey, if she comes back with it, I'll just send her to Beast Island anyway. Yeah, so it's like it's a win-win for me. Um, so when Catra is summoned to her sort of like a basically execution, like all all of the force captains and all the cadets are gathered to 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 be made a uh, so Catra's made an example. First of all, she can't help but own Hordak. She she can't resist it. She's like, you're the fool. No, yeah, like, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, right? She fully believes in this moment she is about to be executed. So she's like, okay, you know what? If you're going to, if you're going to take me down, like, she's very scared. But there's like a moment when he, he specifically calls her a failure. And she's like, like, her 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 lip is like quivering in this very specific way where she's like, very afraid but she took the moment to just bark out like no you're the failure she she decided to just be like no you know what i'm not going to be silent while you do this i'm going to actually like i'm going to try my best to take you down with me and she's like you know you're the failure you know who's the one who's like completely incapable of running this place without having someone else do it for him who's the one who's always in his lab doing nothing but tinkering with toys you know who's the one who is consistently defeated on an operational scale by a bunch of teenagers you know it's not her and obviously he doesn't take this particularly well and he starts getting very angry but the last possible second, Entrapta does come in. He's like, yeah, well, he, well, joke's on you, Entra- Entrapta saved your life. You're going out to the Crimson Wastes, loser. Um, which <laughs> Catra doesn't like one bit. Because, as we know about the Crimson Wastes, it's just like a death land, basically. No, nothing lives there. It's just a, wa- a complete wasteland. Like, at least with a name like beast island you can guess that beasts are there no but the crimson waste is just like red red badness red badness i don't like red badness it's it's basically just nevada outside of like las vegas there's nothing it's just a desert it's just sand mesas cactus the cactus probably like eat you or perhaps launch their needles like machine guns it could be anything it could be anything, and all of these possibilities are very scary. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the setup, right? Catcher's been sent on a horrible suicide mission, and Adora has kind of volunteered herself and uh, her friends into more or less an equally suicide mission uh, to go discover stuff about the past. And that is where the episode ends off. That is it. Uh, it'll be picked up next week with the, uh, the episode Huntara. Yes, we get to meet Huntara, which, uh, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. I like that one. The, 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 uh, the Crimson Waves episodes are definitely some of my favorite of the whole show. Absolutely my favorite of season three. I mean, it's weird to say season three, because there's six episodes in this season, so it's not like there's a whole lot of competition. And most of them are like, you know, the end of a season episode, so there's a lot of things happening. So it's kind of hard to judge but the crimson waste episodes have a lot of good character moments and a lot of fun characters yeah no it's like they're 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 wonderful episodes like it's 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 hard to say right because season three has a really strong closer too so it's just like yeah it's it's hard to pick i think once we once we get through to the end of season three i'll probably have like an opinion on which is like my my ultimate you know favorite of the of the two like uh arcs that are here but uh yeah yeah i I would say crimson waste pretty strong arc yeah all right so let's get into some questions we got a few questions for the first half and a few questions that are go gonna go into the spoiler zone uh all of these are from anonymous curious catcher users first one says i forgot what happens in this one is it any good yeah it's pretty good it looks bad though looks bad pretty good content second one when Catra tells scorpio to go away is she giving up a little bit i think yeah so i think like one of the things with Catra in this situation is she has decided that human attachment right is is not for her like it, it just ruins everything for her it makes her miserable 
uh, because she's always betrayed and etc. Um, and also it just it always gets her into trouble. So she's like, no, I'm done with this. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want people caring about me, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the second half of it is also she is being given an out, but she's choosing not to take it. And I think definitely there is like a pretty large component of just kind of accepting her fate here. She's like, well, you know, I made my bed and I have to lie in it. Yeah, it's she's it's sort of it's she's giving up on herself, basically. Um, I don't know necessarily about her ambitions, probably on those two, really. She's in a bad position here. Yeah, she's in a very compromising position. And you have to bear in mind also, this is just basically back to back, right? She, you know, her mom betrays her horribly after the very first time she thinks she's ever had a real connection with her and then immediately loses her job, basically. And and then also is told she's going to get executed. So, like, you know, it's been a rough weekend for her. You know, it's her outlook is not very bright. And it's not a quick execution either. Like, this is not a guillotine or a firing squad. She's getting sent to an island filled with beasts and just left there. So it could take, like, I don't know, two minutes or three months. Yeah, right? Like, presumably people have survived a decent amount of time on this island, but, like, how long can you last and would you even want to like yeah it's like is it worth it at that point there's no escape yeah there's no escape you're stuck there presumably it's like very isolated so yeah not an ideal situation to be in so i yeah i would say pretty handily i think that she's given up at least a little bit at that point right um the uh, the last one here for the first half of the episode from watching the show, you clearly get a best friends to lovers storyline between Catra and Adora. But from y'all discussing their respective traumas with Shadow Weaver and how that affected each of them, I can't help but consider that they are sort of sisters. Would love to know your thoughts. I don't... The the sisters has a very different vibe, and they don't have that vibe at all. Yeah, so... The thing you need to understand about Shadow Weaver is that she was a maternal figure to both of them, but she was... she One, she raises all of the cadets seemingly like they all deal with shadow weaver to some regard but the one she obviously showed the most favor to and had the most interest in was adora because she was powerful and shadow weaver wanted to use her to win the war basically katra is just sort of attached to adora so she just kind of had to deal with that yeah like something to bear in mind is that shadow weaver never really necessarily singles Katra out in the way that she does Adora. Like Adora was like specifically she she saw Adora and immediately took to her and tried to take her under her wing as her star prodigy, her 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 genuine daughter. Like someone I, I think that Shadow Weaver fully intended to kind of adopt Adora in the sense that, you know, she was her direct like line of succession like her protege like the person who's going to be really powerful and you know this is probably partially because of the fact that she's like a first one and all of that katra literally for real showed up in a box and adora was like oh i want to be friends with this so she just you know katra being singled out um in a very heavily negative way is mostly just because shadow weaver has to just kind of deal with her she's she is a package deal with adora and she desperately does not want her to be there's you know like there's there's more i think to their relationship uh, on the whole catcher and shadow weaver but like generally speaking i i just i really wouldn't necessarily consider the relationship between adora and catcher to be sisters despite the fact that they share the same parental figure. Yeah, like she's and like the Dora said that she's like uh, she's like your mother, but also your CEO and all of that. Like Shadow Weaver, the Horde was still a militaristic organization, um, so everyone the, you share the same bunks, you train under the same people. Like it, it's the vibe is different. Extremely, extremely. It's like I don't know. It's I can see I can see where like the concern would lie with that i think but 
Um, I just, I don't think that necessarily that's like the slant I would take with it. No. So I hope that puts your mind to rest, Anonymous Curious Catcher user. Right. But with that, that's the it for the first half of the uh, the episode. If you have questions, you can send them into our Curious Cat. You can also uh, find us over on Twitter, uh, at Podcast of Power. We know we, we post question posts a day or two before we record. If you got an email you want us uh, to talk about at the end of season wrap-up stuff? Well, you can go ahead and send that over to potofpower at gmail.com. Um, and if you're a fan and you want to throw us some bucks and uh, get some cool bonus content along the way, why, you can go over to patreon.com slash is it pot of power? It is indeed pot of power. And uh, for $3 a month, you get all sorts of fun stuff. We, uh, we've got two side uh, side podcasts running over there. Uh, on a bi-weekly basis, we've got one show uh, watching Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts and another one watching The Owl House. We are enjoying both immensely. Yeah, they're both uh, great. We've actually got, a, uh, I believe, an owl cast going up this weekend, too. So, you know, keep an eye out if you're uh, if you're subscribed to our Patreon. And hey, if you're not, you know, maybe this is the weekend. I don't know. We've got stretch goals as well. We've just reached our first one uh, recently. So now every month we're going to be posting little video packages of, of fan works and AMVs and stuff that stand out to us that month. Just if you if you're looking for even more Shira content, we've got it for you. We're out there in the content mines. We're finding the good stuff. Yes, we're gonna be we're gonna be digging up all that good sweet content. Uh, we'll be we'll be delivering that to you probably when 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 is that gonna go up? Probably the end of the month, right? End of the month, something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that'll be the end of November probably. Um, our next stretch goal at $60, if we get, you know, up up there, we're going to be posting monthly uh, riff tracks on old Shira episodes. That is riff tracks, two words with a CK. Please don't sue us, Mike Nelson. Um, <laughs> so if we get up to there, that'll be fun. Just because 80s Shira, boy, it's it's something. It's extremely something. And uh, I, I do hope we get there, actually, because that one... That one will be very fun, especially when we get to the the pie episode. The pie episode, we can't start with that, but I want to build to that. Oh, we gotta! I'm I'm sure that's that's not too far in. And then, of course, the last stretch goal, my my my, my personal my personal favorite one at uh, was that uh, was that eighty dollars a month? Uh, let me check. I think it's at one twenty, but I might move it down to eighty. Yeah, the third stretch goal, the final one for now. Uh, an actual play podcast where we play for the honor the she-ra inspired tabletop rpg yes it's a hack of firebrands uh which is a tape which is its own sort of tabletop system um uh, nero had the chance to play that with another group of podcasters fairly recently i believe yes that would be uh the fine folks over at strangers fiction let me go ahead and pull up their twitter information uh that game is a blast if you like Shira, you should definitely look in and if you like tabletop you should definitely look into giving it a try it's on itch um if you bought that racial racial justice bundle for like five bucks that had a million things in it guess what you have it oh sick yeah go ahead and find that episode over at strangers fiction pod on twitter um i am on the episodes reunions or on the episode reunions in the wilds if you want to hear a little uh a little preview and they also have another episode playing uh for the honor yeah we're we're very excited about maybe getting to try that for ourselves should be a blast we're both uh quite quite the tabletop stuff and of course our three dollar patrons get shout outs at the middle of every episode thank you to our patrons olivia andres lozano Brittany ray michael steinert tara stark T.C.O. Murderbot. Brennan Fitzgerald. Tobu. Emma Grossman. Robert Harris. D. The Shadow. And Danielle DuPont. Thank you so much for your generous donations. But with that, 
that's going to do it for us uh, pre-spoiler zone. If, uh, if you're not joining us, then, you know, have a good one. But if you are, we'll see you on the other side. So light, yeah, we gotta talk about light hope. So light hope, you were the worst liar in the world. When Adora says that she found out that she was the first one, you can see the panic cross light hope's face, where she thinks, "Oh no, did I get found out?" <laughs> yeah, she's just like, "Oh, oh, who told you? Ah, oh, this wasn't supposed to come up for like, for like three more years. I had a plan, and it's like, nope, sorry." uh shadowy or beach to it and she's just like oh yeah you know babies i just thought babies remember everything that this is a totally normal thing to assume anyway let's just move on so obviously light hope is trying to steer adora one away from mara and two like towards her training so she can fulfill her destiny of uh blowing up the universe um and you know she she basically does this by trying to reinforce that it is the horde that took you away from your family. They are evil. They must be stopped at all costs. Yeah. And she even edits the the actual memory itself. Like she she specifically shows Adora like uh like a video how she has this video. I I don't know. I assume that she just made it up entirely whole cloth frankly using some like neural net nonsense but yeah so she she makes up the idea that hordak made a portal and pulled the baby out of it mm. turns out it was light hope who did that well hordak did make the portal however light hope is the one who basically redirected it like he was trying to contact Horde prime but light hope said "Ooh, he's opening a portal i'm just gonna slide on over to these first one's descendants and just snatch a baby here real quick yeah just go steal a baby it's normal it's fine and this scene she shows adora where it's like hordak very purposefully stalking up to her we see what is basically the real version of that scene at the end of the show where we after adora um purges horde prime out of hordak we flash back to him just like looking down at this baby completely confused and unsure of what to do at all like the 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 real thing that happened was probably much less you know evil empire and more just a guy who's completely out of his depth yeah right like because this presumably this was very this was pretty early on in like the horde's history right because the horde hasn't actually been around that long on etheria like about a generation a little less so like adora's arrival right that was probably hordak's like like he had been trying desperately to contact big bro you know probably for a couple of years at that point and you know when when he's when when he thinks he's finally done it and he's gonna get off of this hell rock and just a baby falls out instead like he he's very (laughs) He's very at a loss for what to do. He's he's kind of just lost his only possible opportunity to like get any help. Yeah, so for Yasuo Dora is like 1718 at the start of the show, mm-hmm. which is generally what people would think and what I would agree with. Yeah. So and if she was like a newborn or like 1 year old when she got pulled through the portal, yeah, that would fit the horde being around for basically a generation. Like, that would mean this was around the time of the first Princess Alliance. Like, Shadow Weaver was already in the Horde when Odora gets brought back. Yeah. I imagine this is probably, like, not an especially long time after Shadow Weaver was, like, in the Horde, like, as an entity. Maybe two or three years, probably. Maybe more, because it would require my... I don't know, actually. It's hard to say how long Odora was in the Horde before the first Princess Alliance got started. It could have been a few years before that conflict really gets going. Yeah, 
But yeah, Light Hope is the one who did that. And, you know, for all her talk about, like, Great Destiny and all this, there's nothing inherently special about Adora, really. She just needed a first one to use the sword. Yeah, that's really the that's really the whole the crux of the thing, right? Is like literally she just needed a first one. There's nothing about Adora in and of herself that is special other than the fact that like she's a member of a dying or mostly dead race that's kind of hard to tell like presumably the first ones were mostly wiped out but like it's kind of left a little ambiguous right like we never see another one but the empire the empire has certainly fallen and i don't know by the time she actually gets out back into the wider universe they might have been completely wiped out or this group is like a very very distant colony it's hard to say yeah um but yeah the first ones they aren't really a a a factor here light hope literally just grabbed the first baby she could find and just kind of shoved her into this role like that's the thing about all this talk of destiny and, and such like adora doesn't actually have one everyone just keeps telling her she does and so she feels like she needs to do all these things she feels like she needs to shoulder all of this all of these burdens and like you you don't have to you can choose your own that is the crux of what katra tries to convince her like it doesn't have to be you like you there's let someone else do it for once in your life yeah exactly like it's so chosen one narratives are like inherently really weak a lot of the time because you have this like there's not really a good and compelling reason for your main character to be the center of the plot um because you've just said that you know you as the author have told the audience this person is important to the plot and then the audience is like okay got it you know but with any good any chosen one story that is good it's always a send-up of that right and here you kind of have that where it's like the the element of destiny and and you know pre predestination and whatever is entirely manufactured it is manufactured by shadow weaver who wants to manipulate her to her own ends it is manufactured by light hope who wants to manipulate her to her own ends it is manufactured by anybody who tells adora she is the chosen one is typically trying to get her to do what they want in some shape or form and it's just like you know that that moment where she starts to get it that's that's such a good moment you know when she starts to get wait a minute wait a minute maybe mara had a point maybe all this is nonsense adora is not shira because she's chosen adora is chosen because she happens to be shira exactly exactly there's no fate at work here there's no grand destiny Light Hope pulled a baby out of a portal and played the long game until she could shove her in the general direction of a sword so that she could plug it into the planet and nuke the galaxy. Yeah. Not to tangent, but like the plan the plan for the heart of Etheria was there even one? Like Light Hope is just supposed to fire it. I don't think she was ever given targeting orders. No, and at this point the heart of Etheria has become so overcharged that firing it is completely catastrophic like it would the the devastation would be untold but that's not a part of light hope's programming to think about any of that uh she's just supposed to facilitate its use to destroy the horde yeah, she is functionally the trigger on a big gun she is the trigger on a gigantic gun and she is intent on firing that or at least half of her is the light hope that is the the sinister ai that uh powers the first one civilization is intent on it the light hope that was mara's friend and probably more than that is uh not keen on the idea no yeah but she's that particular light hope has been buried very very hard in fact really only the slightest sliver of her even really remains by the end of the story speaking of the heart of etheria let's talk a little bit about shadow weaver and glimmer in this episode because the, the obviously shadow weaver is going to be in play for the remainder of the show as basically a kind of dark advisor she's not a treacherous advisor because honestly she's usually saying things that are right um for the wrong reasons or saying things that are wrong for kind of the right reasons but 
in this first sort of interaction between them where they aren't at the other end of a other end of a torture device glimmer is extremely unwilling to listen to her at all and why is that it's because her mom is there it is because her mom is there but you know when when that stops being a thing pretty soon from now um then she's gonna be a little bit more open to what shadow weaver has to say because of course you know she's going to be without any real guidance and without a mother figure in in her life and you know shadow weaver of course sees this void and she's like hey free real estate and kind of just hops right on in the driver's seat there extremely taking advantage of this this poor girl's damaged emotional state oh absolutely and her and the power that she wields as well she's the queen now and being the queen's right hand gets you a lot of power yeah catra hates her at that point adora doesn't listen to her she knows better glimmer though she's under a lot of stress she's feeling distant from her friends her mom is gone. She wants to end this war quickly. And what better way to end the war quickly than with a WMD, baby? Exactly, exactly. And like, and the and the trick, right? And the reason this works is that Shadow Weaver's tricks are generally pretty fresh to Glimmer. Like, Glimmer's seeing glimpses of it. Like, obviously, in this particular episode, she sees the kind of rapid fire, like facade switching that Shadow Weaver can do at the drop of a hat. Like, she. She is not deterred by failing on one front. She has like 15 fronts and she's going to push on all of them until she gets to where she wants to be until it seems to her target like she isn't putting up a facade anymore. Like she is able to just just cut and burn, right? Like she will start doing one thing and then she will cut and burn it as soon as it stops working and be like, okay, well now I'm telling you the truth. And then when that stops working, she cuts and burns that and be like, okay, well now I'm really telling you the truth, you know? And that's and that's only one of the things that she does too, because then when she starts doing stuff with glimmer, right? At this point, she's been around long enough and has seemed vulnerable and like powerless enough that you know glimmer's kind of letting her defenses down she's like okay well you know shadow weaver's been around for a while you know she had if she wanted to betray us you know she could have but like obviously it's in her interest that we win if you know we want to you know actually like it's it's in it's in her interest uh if she wants to get back at the horde for you know us to actually win so she's not exactly you know here to screw us or anything like that so she's she's starting to just be a little bit more open to the concept of like you know okay well you know maybe she's got a point here and of course once she brings up hey just you could just nuke hordak she's like well yeah i guess i could like i wouldn't mind he's the reason i don't have a mom anymore you know, so you know, she she plays on all of these little strings, and when when the tables are turned and it comes time for Adora to be the one to try and talk sense into her, you know, similar to this episode, right? Like she just doesn't listen because she's being manipulated currently in that exact second. Even when Shadow Weaver's not in the room, she has a very strong pull. She has a magnetism to her personality which is why she's so effective at doing what she does exactly and i look forward to talking more about that in season four i look forward to a lot of season four season four in my opinion has some of the juiciest stuff in it in terms of character arcs i love drama i love angst i love it i can't get enough and therefore i love season four very true like season season five is of course we're, we're both of you know the same mind here season season five is the overall strongest but i think as far as like really paying off on a lot of the concepts and themes that have been established over the previous three seasons like season four really really knocks it out of the park like it is just it is a downward spiral for everybody in the show everyone is miserable it's horrible anything that could go wrong does go wrong and and i love it it's great it's amazing so so good it's the spin-up right like the, the 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 final punch is season five but to stick that landing you need to create like a, a landing zone you need you need to clear the airfield and that's what season four is 
and it's so good at it. And man, I love season four Catra, just a crumbling house of cards. Yeah, it's amazing. Like like you said, it's clearing the airfield, but it's it's like it's clearing the way for an airfield with like explosives. Like you're 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 really taking the trees down, like down to the roots with this one. Absolutely. So I got a couple of questions here. Um and for the spoiler zone. First one. Uh, so how much of a tell is it in retrospect that 99% of first one's tech seems to involve generating enormous, enormous murderous robot spiders? I mean, in retrospect, it's really sort of a dead giveaway on the whole M- evil empire thing, yeah? It's not just me. Like how the pastel colors and magic crystal spires are solid misdirection for the first viewing. But on rewatch, it's kind of a red flag just about how everything they built can kill you with giant monster bugs the second you put down the wrong foot. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's a it's a pretty big red flag. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like an enormous giveaway necessarily, but it's also just like I mean, it's not a great look, you know. Our thing is that we build giant murder bugs that are designed to maul you to death uh in every possible wet meaning of the word. Like it's not a good look, but it's also like, you know, part of the reason why the first ones are like effective right is that and we've we've kind of touched on this before but the impression that one gets from the first ones is they have like a very like they're a neoliberal empire right they're they're a very like they're an empire that very much cares about the way that people perceive them they have a very specific image that they want to put forward they're like custodians they are the they're the galactic peacekeepers. They're the ones who are here to maintain order and keep the peace. You know, they they build giant weapons of mass destruction, harnessing the life force of entire planets, but this is only in case they need it. Like, they, they don't build it to use it willy-nilly, okay, you know? It's a deterrent. It's a deterrent. Right? You know, it's a whole thing, right? We would only preemptively strike if we needed to, you know, don't worry about it, right? And the, and the giant murder bugs are nothing, right? Like, yeah, sure, they're giant murder bugs, but they're not going to hurt you if you're not doing anything wrong, you know? And this is this is one of the things, right? Like the Crystal Castle, super inviting. It's pretty, it's shiny, it's, you know, everything's made out of crystals, it's very inviting, everything's lit in very warm colors it's it's nice but then of course you take one step in the wrong direction you you say the wrong password you got a bunch of spiders trying to gore you so like but again if you just didn't do anything wrong they wouldn't be there so it's really evil and it's that's kind of the impression that you get right is like they they're trying to be the the nice empire we're we're the nice imperialists okay we're we're not gonna hurt you unless we like find out a good reason to honestly the biggest tell from me on rewatch was just how extremely shady light hope is and also the fact that the crystal castle can you know just you know access your memories yeah i can just kind of just root around in your brain without like there's no pop-up you you don't there's no eula you get to sign it's just it's just in there it's rooting around through your hippocampus trying to pick and choose the best way to possibly manipulate you and it's like hmm you know that doesn't uh that doesn't gel very well my friend uh light hope that's a little that's a little bit suspicious yeah it is remarkable how like the by the end of the series the first ones don't come out looking much better than the horde like the the show is very clear about how it feels about them like they're they're just it's all just a, a front for just another evil empire like you said they just weren't evil enough i guess because they got wiped out exactly like i think that and i wouldn't call this necessarily like a core theme of the show but i think that it there is like a very deliberate messaging of like you know the not the the like friendly faced empire isn't going to win out against the overtly fascist empire like it's the overtly fascist empire is going to win every time because they don't care and they're going to do whatever it takes to to destroy anything that stands in their way and it's like the only alternative 
is not the nice empire. You know, the alternative is you just don't have an empire. You get rid of the empires and you take you you get rid of both of them. Yeah, the the end of the show is literally that they free Etheria from the shackles of the first ones and destroy the horde. Like yeah, at the same time, it it ends up working out very poetically, really. Yeah, I like the first one's arc over the course of this show. Um, one last question here. Extremely unrelated to season three, but do you think Madame Raz has any sort of magic powers? In season one, episode three, she teleports her broom to her and does that weird explosion to escape. And in season four, uh, she somehow, somehow helps Mara connect to Etheria. If she has powers, where do you think she gets them from? Uh, I feel like she probably is a little bit magical. She seems like a magical old lady, lives in the woods, you know how it is. So, to me, Raz doesn't have powers in that she can't, like, use any of that stuff. What she is, is extremely in tune with the natural magic of Etheria, which is very wild, very untamed. And, and so that that kind of ties into how she's just completely unstuck in time how she can just pop up in random places like she's she her power is that she is wild exactly exactly she's just she's unpredictable she's she's very wild she's she's free-spirited and and yeah she's like i imagine she can probably tap like a little bit into the wild magic of etheria and like do like little tricksy things like sort of appear places that she probably shouldn't be or like kind of act as maybe not a conduit but like a guide for getting more in touch with the wild side of of the ethereum magic network or what have you but like yeah, I I wouldn't say that she in and of herself is like necessarily like like a witch or something. She's just sort of attuned to the to the way the planet operates. The way she helps Mara attune with the planet isn't like anything special. She just says, "Listen, just just stop for a minute. Don't fight things you don't understand. Just try to connect with them." Like and and that helps Mara form a connection with the planet it, do- it doesn't hurt that mara is already extremely magical due to being she-ra yeah yeah like that definitely helps quite a bit so yeah madam and, and also I'm, I'm pretty sure a couple of those were just like parlor tricks i think one of the explosion the asker is talking about i'm pretty sure that was just like a smoke bomb was it i oh that's right yes no she does i'm pretty sure she does throw down yeah when she goes like razzle dazzle and she she like throws like a like a handful of like powder like i think she reaches into a little pouch and like grabs some powder and throws that on the ground yeah she is like a old lady who lives in the woods who doesn't want to do anything but pick berries and hang out with her friends she's not some all-powerful witch of the wilds maybe she was some at some point in the distant past it's hard to tell how how long she's been around but uh now she's just sort of a, a an enigmatic guide for those who want to attune themselves with Ethereum. She's Yoda. She is basically the Yoda of the show, yeah. Speaking of how long she's been around, like, she didn't, in, in the flashbacks, and this is hard to tell if it's necessarily because a product of the fact that when she has a flashback, it is specifically her unstuck in time, and she is experiencing that memory as if it's happening currently. Like, it's, it's hard to tell if she's just perceiving her current self, like, physically in those memories as, she, like, she's now as she is back then, even though she was, like, actually younger, or if she's just been this old for, like, that long. Like, has she been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years? I think it's the latter. I think, like, she's been around for a very long time. Do you just get that sense of, like weird ancient magical wisdom delivered through weird hijinks like i said like yoda she's she's certainly not human i don't know what she is yeah it's not really it's not really explained very much she's definitely not human yeah it's it's weird she's kind of a weird character she 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 is a, is a vector through which etheria expresses its its sort of magic yeah i actually i read a theory once and i i wish i like i wish the tumblr search function actually worked so you could like pull things up but like the 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 post in particular was talking about like the idea that madam raz is like like a physical manifestation of etheria like she's like 
the living planet projecting itself into a into a body which i'm not sure that's true but it's a cool idea yeah it's, it's like it's not an ego situation right like it's not like kurt russell in guardians of the galaxy 2 she isn't literally the planet but i could definitely see that like she is kind of the spirit of the pl- well no she isn't though because she-ra is the spirit of the planet oh yeah i guess that's true right i forgot about that whole bit so yeah probably that theory doesn't hold water but she's still pretty wise and still definitely attuned to the planet maybe she has some relation to deep she-ra magic like before the first ones got there oh yeah maybe because she because she does seem to be like fairly knowledgeable about like the mechanics of she-ra especially like later on when like um adora goes back to her and like uh is it late season three or is it season four that she shows back up again uh she so she shows up in the portal episodes but i believe you're thinking of season four episode nine which is called hero yes yeah the mara flashback episode yeah and then she talks about that's that's when it's actually revealed that shira has like always existed like prior to the first ones right like that's when we find that out that's yeah, that's when we find out that She-Ra is on an invention of the first ones. They literally just, like, basically shackled her yet again, proving that all they they, they are the neoliberal empire that just takes advantage of resources for their own gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I could see Raz being, like, a planetary manifestation of, like, a guide for She-Ra's or something like that. Or maybe she's just a weird old lady. Who's to say? It's kind of left ambiguous. Who's to say? And you know what? We appreciate that. I like it when people leave spaces and worlds to explore. Yeah, it's not everything needs like a detailed explanation. We don't, we, you know, we don't need the intricate backstory of every side character in the world. But you know, that being said, if you ever, if you ever want to write any side content, you know, write like a little, a little comic about about Madame Raz, you know, I'd, I'd read it. I'd read it. I'd read it. You still need to read that Flame Princess comic. I know that's 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 on the roster. That is coming um probably not that long from now actually yeah so look out for that on the patreon another minisode coming up um but with that i think that's a wrap on this episode the start of season three it's only uphill from here basically um quite like the 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 rest of season three there's a little bit of a dip at the start of season four but it's it's mostly upward movement yeah the the dip is over very fast and also it's it's mostly just set up for uh it's mostly setting up the last couple of dominoes before just mercilessly flicking the the starting one for them all to come toppling down excited we get to talk about huntara next week yes i'm very excited about that huntara is honestly one of my favorite side characters she's awesome love to talk about her huntara you know i used to think scorpio was the most this was designed by a lesbian character in the show and then huntara appeared and i said ah i see yeah yeah no like you can tell that some of the designers on this show were very uh very gay for women with very large muscles and you know what yeah yeah i'm you know what you you got it but that's not until next week so until then i have been one of your hosts nero and i've been the other host jane and i'll see you on the other side of podcast spondos